Welcome to Blitzcast, an NFL Draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt. Welcome to Blitzcast number 78. I'm your host, Alex Kavtov, and I'm going to bring in my partner, Ed Hunt, very shortly. We're going to start with trades, Ed. I mean, it was just unexpected. I guess I expected A.J. Green to get traded somewhere, but Jalen Ramsey trade actually occurred. It actually happened. The The owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars wanted to keep him. Uh, he said that Ramsey was going to stay put. All of a sudden, they, they get a great deal from the Los Angeles Rams, and they pull the trigger. So obviously, Ramsey is happy now. He goes to the Rams And the Jacksonville Jaguars should be happy as well. I mean, Ramsey wanted to move on. And um, the Jacksonville Jaguars get a 2020 first-round pick. And they get a 2021 first-round pick. And they get a fourth-round pick in 2021 as well. So, great deal for the Jags moving forward. They get a lot of picks. And they get two first-round picks. And uh, the Los Angeles Rams get a shutdown corner in in Jalen Ramsey. Especially with... uh, I keep Talib going down. Yeah, you know, I, I like this move. I like this move more for the Jaguars, though. Um, you know, the Rams do get you know an upgrade at corner. I mean, maybe they they, they sort of you know trade traded uh, Marcus Peters away, and you know they, they were able to kind of dump him and get something for it. But I don't I don't totally love the idea of Jalen Ramsey. I just I think the personality might be an issue in in, in Los Angeles. Well, Bovada's online sports book takes sports bettors closer to the action. It's fun, it's safe, and it's fast. It's sports betting made easy. But let's get back to uh, Jalen Ramsey talk. Look, I actually think it's it's a win um, for the Los Angeles Rams today. They're obviously going all in right now. Um, this move signals everything about this year they want to win the Super Bowl this is what this is a team that was in the Super Bowl last year that lost to the New England Patriots now they're looking to get back there they've lost three straight games after getting off to to a great start on the season everything seems to be falling apart so they had to make this move they had to get a shutdown corner and Jalen Ramsey who could lock down in man-to-man coverage who can take away that number one wide receiver and he can actually shadow that number one wide receiver all over the field and and that's what I was that's what I think the Los Angeles Rams were trying to get Marcus Marcus Peters when they traded for him, it definitely didn't work out. But Jalen Ramsey, if he's healthy, he's, if not the best, he's one of the best corners in this league currently. So I love this move. I think Wade Phillips can get more creative. I mean, he's he knows that he's going to play more man-to-man, a press man, and that therefore they can get more pressure on the quarterback. And I know that's what Wade Phillips wants to do. So in that regard, I think Jalen Ramsey just upgrades that entire defense uh once he once he steps onto the field well you know this is just a sign that the rams are going to make a push for the nfc west and i mean you you really got a tough division for them i mean now you know there's really a three-team race you know st louis i mean uh los angeles rams 
you know, are, are, are making a push. And then you got the Seahawks who are playing good football and you got the 49ers who are playing outstanding football and actually being, you know, they're actually putting them number three and four in the power rankings and they have the, they're undefeated. So they should be one or two. I mean, they've, they've, they've really just figured out how to win games this year. So um, I, I really like, I, I think this is going to be fun to watch the NFC West. Do you think the Los Angeles Rams are in trouble? I mean, we're looking at the 49ers who I'm beaten right now, right? I mean, they're 5-0. and We've got the Seahawks who have lost only one game, and now the Rams sit at 3-3. Three and three. So it's, it's an uphill battle for this team, even though they're getting Jalen Ramsey, and even though I believe that he upgrades their defense and Wade Phillips will get more creative, but it doesn't solve their problems moving forward, right, Ed? I mean, they've got problems on the offensive line. I'm watching the Los Angeles Rams, and people are like, hey, we got a bl- Todd Gurley isn't getting the ball. He's not the same. Jared Goff is struggling, but it starts up front. That offensive line is not what it was last year. Andrew Whitworth, who's been, you know, he's who's been the stalwart on the left side at left tackle, he's struggling this year. They're they're not getting the pressure right now. Clay Matthews is injured, and just that that defense is struggling to get pressure. Josh Johnson went down. The really good safety. Uh, now they've got Eric Weddle and Taylor Rapp trying to replace them together. Uh, the same thing with Aqib Tlaib. I mentioned that Tlaib is going down. I mean, he's going to miss the entire season. Uh, what What's going to happen with this team moving forward? I, I just We all know the Todd Gurley trouble. I mean, can Jerry Goff do something? I mean, are the Rams a playoff team right now the way we look at it? I just think they're so loaded. I mean, they, they, they're just, you know, great coach and McVeigh. And then, you know, you go, I mean, Goff isn't the best quarterback, but, you know, you got Aaron Donald and you've got a lot of talent on defense. And now you add Jalen Ramsey, which, you know, could be a very talented player. Uh, you know, you got, you've got Todd Gurley who's having injury issues, but still, still, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if there's any team in the NFL that, you know, looks really good on paper, it's the, it's, it's the Rams. The Rams are the team that looks good on paper compared to any other team. You know, once again, it proves they're a Super Bowl loser who's struggling the next year. They just, these teams can't shake off the curse. When they lose the Super Bowl, the next year, usually, I mean, they don't make the playoffs. And and the Rams are, are a victim of this curse, once again. On paper, it's great, Ed. I've said this. On paper, this team looks like a Super Bowl contender. And I, I thought they were going to go back to the Super Bowl as well. And... But the thing is, they've really struggled. I mean, they haven't meshed together, and there are just a lot, a lot of problems. But the thing is, they got rid of one problem, Ed. Marcus Peters was shipped to the Baltimore Ravens. They pulled the plug on Marcus Peters. He just, he didn't get the job done. He just, he didn't fit in in that Wade Phillips defense. He has regressed. The player that we saw the first couple of years with the Kansas City Chiefs, he certainly hasn't been the same player the last couple of years. I mean, we we saw him not run a route with the wide receiver. I mean, he allowed him to beat him deep, and he just he stopped the route. I, I don't know what that was. He's having some mental breakdown. The, the Los Angeles Rams only got a fifth-round pick, a 2020 fifth-round pick, and a linebacker in Kenny Young, who started the first couple of games with the Baltimore Ravens. Ever since then, he, he has been a backup. So... They pulled the trigger, the trigger on Marcus Peters. Do you think it was done a little too soon? I mean, Talib went down. You still need a second corner opposite of Jalen Ramsey. 
I, I think I think this was a good move to get rid of. The the part about getting rid of Marcus Peters, I think that was great that they were able to dump him and get still get a pick back because I, I, I don't I just want to get rid of that contract with Marcus Peters because to be honest with you, I, I think I think he's a great player below the neck, but I think mentally I think he's kind of a hothead. I think he's extremely competitive and that helps him play really well at times. But I think at the same time, you know, when he doesn't have it there mentally he, you can't rely on him as a corner, and you have to be there mentally to play corner in the NFL. Bavada, by the way, has the Ravens as the underdog against the Seattle Seahawks this weekend. Uh, Bavada has the Seahawks as the minus 3.5 favorite at home over the Baltimore Ravens. So we'll see if uh, the Ravens also needed an upgrade at the cornerback position with all their injuries. That seems to be their Achilles heel. Obviously, they couldn't go out there and, and trade for Jalen Ramsey because they had to give up a lot. Um, they chose the more conservative route. The Ravens give up on Marcus Peters, and the Ravens just decide to take a chance on him. So it's definitely worth it. We'll, we'll see if Marcus Peters can fit in with the Baltimore Ravens, who are doing well this season. And uh, some other NFL topics. So obviously, the one game that I wanted to talk about were the the Jets beating the Cowboys. Um, Sam Darnold, and he returned after missing what four games with mono. He came back and just looked like the quarterback that they were missing. I mean, the offense looked refreshed by having their starting quarterback in there, and they beat the Cowboys twenty four to twenty two. And the one thing that I saw, Ed. I saw that Adam Gase had faith in Sam Darnold. He wanted him to make those throws in the fourth quarter. When they had the lead, I mean, he was dialing up some some passes down the field. And that that ball that he threw to Robbie Anderson for, I think it was 92-yard touchdown, was, was a thing of beauty. So I was impressed by the Jets' offense overall and by Adam Gase having the faith in his starting quarterback. Uh, Sam Darnold. Yeah, I, I, I'm starting to take the Jets a little bit more seriously than I did before. I mean, I, I thought, you know, especially when they were playing a third-string quarterback, it was like I, I wasn't going to pick them in any game. Um, you know, especially straight, straight up, I wasn't going to pick them in any game. But, you know, I, I think Darnold proved that the Jets the Jets might have a quarterback. And, I mean, that was really what, what their focus was a draft to go, was to, was to just get a quarterback. And so, uh, you know, I think the Jets will go as far as Darnold takes them, but – uh, this is a great sign for the future of the Jets. So, I mean, uh, I, 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 you know, we believed in Sam Donald, you know, for before the draft. And I think it, I think it took him a little bit of time. And then he got set back by this mononucleosis diagnosis. And so, I mean, this is, this is a good story. And I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how the Jets do in the future. And if Donald can really establish himself as a, as a, as a legitimate quarterback in the NFL. Well, we'll see. Maybe the season could have been different, Ed. I mean, if Sam didn't go down um, during those four weeks, maybe the Jets would be in the thick of things. I'm not saying competing with the Patriots, but maybe being in the thick of things for for the wild card a little bit. And Le'Veon Bell looked refreshed. I mean, he looked different. Like, he had running lanes, Ed. And with Darnold being there, and Adam Gase was aggressive. Crowder and, and Anderson. I mean, just the whole offense and the Jets looked different and this was against the Dallas Cowboys I, I don't understand that the Cowboys lost Amari Cooper and to an injury and he might be out for a while but the, the Cowboys they they struggled in the first half and the Jets just 
looked really good at home. I mean, they, they scored like 21 points in the beginning in the first half and, and jumped out to a big lead. I'm impressed. So I, I want to see what the Jets can do and if, if they can build on this. And uh, uh, I know that their fans were were appalled by what was going on on the field, but they really have a future with Sam Darnold. Uh, another quarterback, Ed, we decided to talk about because, I don't know, I, I think the, the future is running out for Marcus Mariota with the Titans. What do you think about that? He got benched for Ryan Tannehill, and now the Titans have, have named Tannehill as their starting quarterback moving forward. What do you think about this situation in general? You know, I don't, I don't have any problem just, you know, seeing what you have in Tannehill. I mean, Mariota hasn't been as great this year. But to be honest with you, I think ultimately I would rather have Marcus Mariota out there. So, I mean, maybe you give Tannehill a few games. But I think, I think at some point I think Marcus Mariota is going to be the guy again. I think the Titans are moving on. I do believe that. Mariota will not be the quarterback next year. I think they're going to pull the plug. And here's the thing about Marcus Mariota. I looked up his stats. The first couple of years, he was he was a good quarterback. He looked like he had a promising future. He was he was better than Winston, to be honest with you. And they'll always be together. They'll always be linked together. Winston is the number one overall pick. Mariota is the number two overall pick. But the last couple of years, I mean, he, he was faced with injuries and he struggled. He struggled with turnovers, with interceptions, with holding on to the ball and taking sacks. I thought the Titans are a good team. I mean, they surrounded him with, with talent. And I just think Mariota isn't playing to the best of his ability. I think he's going to get a chance elsewhere. He's going to be the starting quarterback elsewhere next year. But I just don't think it's going to be with the Tennessee Titans. That, that, that's how I feel about it. I'm not saying he's been total trash, Ed. I mean, he's been a decent quarterback, but I certainly can't put him in the top 15. That's just, that's not him. And if you don't have a top 15 quarterback in this league, I don't think you're going to be a team that's going to make the playoffs consistently. Well, I remember when, when the Tennessee got Ryan Tannehill, I was kind of surprised. I was thinking, well, you know, why, why does Tennessee want Ryan Tannehill? I mean, maybe they just, you know, he's in backup zone and they want to, you know, they want a good backup. But I, I just... I, now I'm start, now it's starting to kind of unfold that you know they they really weren't a big believers in Mariota and now they now they want to give they want to see what they have in Tannehill. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll see. I like I said, getting benched and obviously quarterbacks get benched. I mean, Tana, Josh Rosen. Yeah, I, I just want to say you know before we wrap up with this section, I mean Tannehill didn't really have a great career at Miami, so there's a reason why Josh Rosen's the guy there now. Yeah, absolutely. But we, we see Josh Rosen getting benched for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and the Dolphins <laughs> almost pulled off their first win. But the Dolphins seem to be going back to Josh Rosen. So we, we see young quarterbacks getting benched, but I just think this is the end of it with Mariota and the Titans. I, I'm i not saying that they, they can't go back to him, but I think they're going to be looking for a quarterback in the first round in the 2020 NFL draft. I think that's where they're going to go. I'm not sure. I think the Titans are going to have a top 10 pick. I feel confident about it. And I think there are going to be a few quarterbacks that they're going to be in the market for. I just think they're going to move on from Mariota in general. But uh, yeah, starting quarterbacks and young quarterbacks, obviously they're going to go through some growing pains. And hopefully Mariota will rediscover himself with, with the new team. Let's move on to college football, Ed. It was it was an exciting weekend. It, it really was. We we had an upset 
that I don't think anybody saw coming. And uh, I don't think anybody anticipated Georgia losing to South Carolina and they lost 20 to 17 in double overtime. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, it was just. It, it was an interesting game. Let's just say that. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed like Georgia's offense wasn't wasn't there that day. I mean, just it, it seemed like you know they really they really relied on field goals, and then then teams were missing field goals, and that's why it you know made it to double overtime. But you know, Georgia really needed to to really go in and score a touchdown in overtime. I understand. You know, you're gonna have your games where you're gonna have to win in situational football. It's just every big team. You know, on the way to the national championship, has to win a few close games, but Georgia just didn't really have it when when the game counted. And so, um, you know, I I sort of I sort of think a little less of Jake Fromm after that game, and I think it's I I I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't think Georgia's out of it. I mean, Georgia could very much well get back into it. I mean, we're still we're still in sort of week seven or eight of the college football season, so it's not over, but. Um, you know, Georgia Georgia really hurt themselves this week, and now they got a tough schedule coming up. So, um, you know, Georgia's not out of it, not not out of it, but they're it, it it's it's really a tough loss. This is the game that people will go back to critics of Jake Fromm and NFL teams as well, scouts, general managers. They'll point to this game as sort of game where they believe that Fromm is not going to be a good starting quarterback. And I think he really did struggle. I mean, if I saw that game, you saw that game, many people saw that game. He just he wasn't at his best. And the thing is, there's one thing that he always does is he's a game manager that takes care of the football and makes good decisions. That wasn't the case during this game. I mean, he made a couple of mistakes and it certainly haunted them. And I also wanted to make this point, Ed, don't you feel like Will Muschamp who is who's been you know at Florida? Obviously, he's at South Carolina now. There's always like one game where Will Muschamp comes out of nowhere, comes up with a good game plan, and all of a sudden, like South Carolina wins a game that it shouldn't win. And there's always a game that they shouldn't lose, and they always lose. So Will Muschamp is like this, you know. You never know. I mean, it's like you never know with which Will Muschamp team you're gonna get, but. During this week, last week, I mean, South Carolina was definitely playing its best. And I think Will Muschamp definitely motivated them to try to beat Georgia, and, and they certainly did. Yeah, I mean, you know, South Carolina is is, is kind of, you know, the sort of average for the SEC, which is good in the grand scheme of things. But um, I, ne- I never really see South Carolina as being sort of like one of those big players in the SEC. You know, they're not an LSU. They're not an Alabama. They're not a... They're not a Georgia. They're not a Auburn. You know, they're not really in that like top four or five category. They're not a Florida, but you know, they're they do they do well enough in the SEC. You know, they they win some games, and you know, they definitely deserve to be in the SEC. But that, that's just kind of how I see them. I just always feel like Will Muschamp can motivate his team against a giant in the SEC. They always seem to play their best against top teams. And then once they face mediocre teams in the SEC, South Carolina always falls short. I just wish that Will Muschamp teams can be more consistent week in and week out. That That's all I'm saying. And South Carolina could, could do a lot of great things if, if they played more consistent every week. Uh, let's move on to another game. And we're going to go to the Big 12, Ed. Oklahoma, they beat Texas in the Red River 
shootout and cd lamb jalen hurts continued to roll cd lamb was his main man i mean he had a huge game he scored three touchdowns during that during the win over the longhorns yeah you know this this really was something that i i sort of saw before the season with oklahoma winning the big 12 and um so I, I mean I, I I'm not I'm not surprised that they won this game, but this really puts them you know th- this really has them knocking on the door to the college football playoff. I mean Oklahoma's been there the past few years, so um, you know they don't they don't have a very hard schedule the rest of the way. I mean I think they they're they're playing teams that they can beat the rest of the way. So I mean this was this was a big win for Oklahoma, and now now I think they can kind of cruise. So you believe that it's it's already sealed. That's it. The, the Sooners are going to be there. They're they're going to get it done, and they'll, they'll certainly win the Big Twelve. Correct. Well, they're definitely going to the Big Twelve championship, and then they they'll probably have to play Texas again. Maybe they'll play like an Oklahoma State, but I think they'll probably play Texas again. They'll have to beat Texas again. But um, you know, I I I I, th- I think Oklahoma Oklahoma has has got a spot in the in the big 12 championship for sure that's what i'm gonna say for sure all right so let that leads me to my next question ed who will be in the college football playoff we've got five teams right now georgia is out of it right now and the five teams are obviously alabama clemson oklahoma ohio state and lsu five legitimate teams and obviously there are only four spots and well, obviously, there are still going to be a few games that are going to be decided, and I'm sure a couple of these undefeated teams, they'll lose. But as we sit here right now, who would you put there? Obviously, I assume the Oklahoma Sooners are going to be one of the teams that you're going to put in there. It sounds like you, know, you, you picked them before the season. Well, obviously, Jalen Hurts has been on fire. Lincoln Riley's offense is, is continuing to roll with another quarterback. I would assume the Sooners have a spot, right? Well, the problem is, is I have the Sooners out and I have them on knocking on the door because they've had an easier schedule than the other four teams. I mean, LSU has played a really tough schedule and they've they've won all the games that they've had to. Uh, Alabama and Clemson, you know, are, are in the playoffs, and I think I don't think that's very controversial. Ohio State has been the team in the Big Ten, and they they have played really well, and they've exceeded my expectations. So I think I think that I think they're uh, you know they're definitely my favorite to to represent. I, I think it really comes down to LSU and Oklahoma. Um, LSU, I mean, if they if they keep winning games in the SEC, they deserve to be in the college football playoff. No doubt about it. I mean, if they if, if they if they keep up what they've been doing, they deserve to go to the college football playoff. But LSU has a tougher schedule than Oklahoma going forward. But Oklahoma just beat a Texas team. I mean, Texas is you know they they were in the top 15 i mean they they beat a really good team how can we put the sooners out there do we just give a free ride look this is my point and i've said this you and i talked about clemson in my opinion being not the most consistent team week in and week out so i'm gonna go with alabama ohio state oklahoma and lsu i'll keep clemson out just based on this season, I can't give them a free ride just because they won a national championship last year. Just because they look good last year, based on this year, Clemson should be the team that should be out. I I understand thus far. I mean thus far, but I just 
I have a feeling Clemson is is gonna do really well going down the stretch. I just I it's just cemented in my mind that Clemson's gonna go to the playoffs and they're gonna make a push in the playoffs. So um, I, I I just I, I feel like if you're in the committee, it would just be it would just be it would be ridiculous if you cut Clemson out, and it would be a huge controversy if you put it. I do I do understand the point of your argument though. I mean they haven't they haven't played. I mean they have been probably the fifth. You could say that they've been the fifth best of those five teams. Based on what I've seen, Ed, absolutely, absolutely, because I think the SEC is the best conference on in in the country once again. Not a big surprise. So Alabama should be there. LSU keeps winning. I mean, their offense is, is incredible. And we'll, we'll talk about them a little bit later. And then, obviously, you know, those two teams should be in. Oklahoma just beat a good Texas team. They really did. And obviously, Ohio State continues to roll in the Big Ten. And they, they've got a couple of games coming up. And obviously, they've got Michigan at the end of the year. And they'll have a Big Ten title game. So it will be interesting to see. But based on what I've seen this year, obviously Clemson is not up to par. So it's just basically a projection. Yeah, they, they should be better. I mean, they, they're going to win the ACC. But is that enough? It, it will be controversial because they won a national championship last year. And if they go unbeaten, I mean, how do you keep them out? So it will be interesting to see, like, which teams will continue to win. And it's more likely that Clemson will be unbeaten than, say, even Ohio State or Oklahoma or LSU. Well, there, there's one thing we have to look at going forward is that LSU is going to have to play Alabama. And so they they kind of almost eliminate one or the other. And, you know, I'm going to guess Alabama wins that game. And so, you know, LSU, LSU obviously all of a sudden becomes the first one-loss team. And all of a sudden, you know, if Oklahoma is cleaning up against the Big 12, you know, they get in and LSU doesn't, which is unfair to LSU because they've had to play such a tough schedule. But that's just the fact of the matter that they aren't the top four team. Well, I get the feeling that we'll probably get two or three teams that are going to be unbeaten. And then they're going to be like, there is going to be like one team that sneaks in with the one loss. I just, I can't see having four unbeatens at the end of the year. We've never had that, Ed. So it's just, Everything is against it. I mean, statistics say that it's not going to happen. So I'm sure we're going to get like two or three unbeatens and one one lost team. So it's just going to be interesting. And if we do get that, I'll definitely put LSU in there before anyone else. And, you know, LSU, LSU has won some big games. So, I mean, they, they deserve to be. I think they were actually considered the number two team in the country. Is that That's what I saw in the last AP poll. I believe so. I, I believe they are. Let's talk about this week's games, Ed. Uh, we've got uh, Bovada. They have Oregon as the favorite, minus three on the road against Washington. Uh, what do you think about that? You know, there's there's one topic I wanted to bring up. I just I want to see Justin Herbert be a really good defense. He's got to raise up his game. Not that he's been bad, but I just always feel like he cleans up against teams that are less stellar uh, especially against you know <laughs> uh, less you know, talented defenses out there Washington every year they have a great defense so I want to see Justin Herbert have a really good game against the Washington Huskies um, and improve himself on the national stage because again always seems to clean up against bad competition struggles a bit against the top team yeah, you know, I, I think this is going to be a big test for Herbert. But you know what? I, I really want to see Herbert win this game because I think he is a great quarterback. 
And, you know, he, he lost that Auburn game, but he really didn't play as bad as everyone said he did in that Auburn game. And, and it kind of frustrates me that everyone's calling, you know, Herbert overrated because he lost that Auburn game. I think I think he's been good, and I think I think they're I think they're going to go in. Um, you know, I'm a believer in Herbert. I picked them to pit, win the Pac-12, and I think they go in there and they beat Washington. Um, next game I wanted to talk about Ed um, Bovada has Penn State as a big time favorite at home, minus nine point five over Michigan. I said, you know, like. Like I said, obviously Michigan has a lot to prove. And Penn State has been having a great season so far. And they're they're one of the teams that you and I aren't talking about for some reason. Because Penn State should be in the conversation as well with those other five teams that you and I talked about. So I guess we're going to find out if, if Penn State can once again uh beat the michigan wolverines what can we expect here obviously the wolverines are on the road penn state is playing well uh what do you expect what do you anticipate here you know i'm I'm not really that high on penn state this year i know they're undefeated and they've moved up to 12 and you know they've they've had a good year and they've definitely they've definitely impressed me this year i i just i just think michigan is a good team and i i, I think I, 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 something tells me Michigan's going to win this game. All right, there you go. I mean, you were down on the Wolverines a couple of weeks ago. All of a sudden, once again, you're you're having a, you're bringing back that that faith that you have in the beginning of the season when you picked them to to win the Big Ten title. Yeah, I I, I just think I just think Michigan's a better team. Um, you know, I I think I think Penn State I think Penn State hasn't had a really particularly tough schedule up to this point, and so. Uh, you know, this is the biggest test of the year, and so. Um, but you know, I, this is definitely a game I want to watch because I mean, you know, I could I could see I could see it being a very good game, and maybe Penn State will surprise me again. All right, it will be interesting to see. Obviously, it's a huge game in the Big Ten Conference, and uh, obviously, it's like I said, Michigan has to have this win if they want to to kind of move forward and have any chance at all against Ohio State at the end of the year. Let's get to a quarterback that has created a lot of buzz uh, during this these first two months of the season, you could say. A guy who has risen his game a lot because I thought he was a, a day three pick at best uh, going into this year. And the quarterback that we're going to talk about is Joe Burrow the starting quarterback for the LSU Tigers. You know, we talked about it last week. The Tigers have always been known for their defense. This year, they're it's a completely different team. They're known for their offense. And it's it's incredible. And Joe Burrow is the driving force. He has become a, a quarterback that is throwing for a ton of yards and, and throwing for touchdowns and not making those mistakes. And he has become a legitimate first-round prospect. He really has. And especially the way he played against Florida this week. So uh, th- this last week, um, it, it was a tough, gutsy win, and he led them to to a thrilling victory. And uh, it's just, where did this kid come from? And give me, let's give you a little bit of a backstory on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was the backup quarterback to JT Barrett. He was supposed to be the starting quarterback moving forward after that. He got injured. Dwayne Haskins got his chance. We all know how that story went. Burrow transferred. He got his chance at LSU. So it's not like 
Burrow came out of nowhere. He was supposed to be a starting quarterback at Ohio State. He was waiting in the wings. He was a backup. All of a sudden, he never got that chance. He graduated in three years. He, he became a graduate from Ohio State University, transferred to LSU for two years as a graduate student. He's a very smart guy. So, Ed, let's get to him. Obviously, the buzz is, has been insane. Is Joe Burrow everything that you anticipated him to, to be? And have, have you changed your mind on him as, as an NFL quarterback prospect? Yeah, I mean, I, I really love what I see from him. He's a pinpoint accurate passer pinpoint accurate passer i want to say that twice i think he's a very smart runner he's not the fastest runner he won't run fast at the combine but very smart runner i think he has a good internal clock i think he processes the game well i think he's a smart quarterback um the one thing that i the thing maybe that i worry about a little bit more is i think he needs a stronger arm uh to sort of shake the game manager label um I don't know. I don't know how well he'll do as far as like stretching the field. Um, I, I I'd like to see you know a little bit more arm strength from him and you know see him on the deeper ball. But you know, you know in the right offense in a conservative offense, I think he could be a very effective quarterback in the NFL. He's a very accurate quarterback in the intermediate area. Yeah. Very accurate, and it's it's incredible to see because those are the throws in the NFL that you're going to have to make and he's he's excellent at that and the one question mark that I have about him is the deep ball his accuracy on the deep ball and uh, I saw against Florida that he was able to he completed a few passes he surprised me with that Um, and um, another thing another question mark that I had moving forward into the Florida game is him being able to avoid pressure um, I just think at times he struggles resetting his feet and um, his footwork needs to be better in that regard. He's got to be able to slide within the pocket and, and avoid pressure. He did that against the Florida Gators. So a couple of question marks that I had in my scouting report before because I did the scouting report before the Florida game. And then I went back and I was like, all right, he did all right with the deep ball. Um, he did really well at avoiding pressure. But the one thing I think his arm will get stronger if he becomes, a, a more, if he develops cleaner footwork. And I just feel like sometimes he rushes those throws, trying to get rid of that ball, trying to release the ball as quickly as possible. He's got to reset those feet and just get rid of the ball. And I just think his footwork, he, he's got to clean that up a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I notice he's throwing off his back foot too. I have that in my notes. Um you know, there, there's just this idea I want I want to put out there is, you know, I could really see him being like the guy behind Tom Brady, like I I could really see him like fitting in that Patriots sort of conservative short pass offense. I think I think if you put him in sort of Bill Belichick's system or a Josh McDaniel system, I I I I know that this is like a little bit too early to speculate about that, but for some reason I think that would be just such a natural fit. Um, and obviously, you know, being a Steeler fan and, you know, not a fan of the Patriots, I don't want this to happen, but I don't know. It just, it just screams that about this guy. Don't you think that Jared Stidham would, would have something to say about that? I mean, they drafted him last year. He did well in the preseason. Stidham seems to be the guy. Yeah. Stidham, Stidham's, Stidham's, I don't know. I just, 
I'm not a fan of Stidham. I, I, I know he did well in the NFL. I, I don't really see what the Patriots see in him. Well, I, they obviously saw something in him if they, they spend a mid-round pick, and he did well in that system during the preseason. Again, it's just preseason. So where do you see Burrow fitting in? That that seems to be the million-dollar question because obviously during the first two weeks of the season, LSU is unbeaten right now. He's played well. He's been the driving force for that offense. He's been finding you know Chase and, and Justin Jefferson, your guy as well. Um, he's been hitting them and trusting them and, and driving that offense. And you, know, you could say he's been the most important player on that team. Um, and he is obviously the biggest reason why they're undefeated. We've got quarterbacks in the draft. Obviously, we've got Tua. We've got Justin Herbert. Um, we've got Jake Fromm. Where do you see Burrow fitting in? Because there are plenty of teams that I think will be interested in his services. You think he's legitimately a, a top 10 pick? Yeah, I, if I'm a GM, I, 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 you know, and he's in there in the top. I, I wouldn't go with him number one, but you know, if he's in there in the top ten, I would trade up and get him if I want him as a. I, I think, I think he's the kind of quarterback that can hit. The only thing that I want to see, Ed, I want to see him at the Senior Bowl. If, if obviously they're going to talk about him as a first round pick, I have no doubts about it that. When the season ends, Burrow is going to be a lock as a first-round pick. But if he wants to get in that top five, top ten territory, I would want him to go to Mobile and to show his stuff. And he's a great kid, and he's got a great personality, and he is a leader. And I think he's going to be able to show that to to NFL teams that are going to buy into that. And I just I'm always a proponent of guys going and proving themselves at all-star games and i hope he doesn't get an agent that's just going to be against it yeah i i'd like to see him at the senior bowl but you know what you know what i'd really love to see him to expand his game is see what he can do with the deep ball i mean i don't i don't know if it's an lsu scheme i don't think it's an lsu scheme i think he just doesn't have a very strong arm and that's that's really my concern with him but i think if you put him in a good conservative offense i think he could i think he can uh i think he can be a good quarterback in the league it's interesting how you're liking this guy because you like guys with stronger arms and you like guys that can throw it deep. And the thing is, those are your main concerns with him and you're still putting him as a top 10 pick. I just It's a question mark for me and in terms of guys that you usually like and the thing that it seems like you, you've bought in to this Joe Burrow hype. Well, the thing is, is that, I mean, Joe Burrow has like... It's not just like he's an accurate passer. I mean, he's like he has elite accuracy. Like he 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 he's the kind of quarterback who can throw a 50-50 ball and hit the guy right in the hands, you know? I mean, it's just I don't I don't see that I haven't seen that from many quarterbacks in the last since I've been really delving deep into it, you know, since I've been doing the show. I haven't seen that pinpoint accuracy from other quarterbacks that I'm seeing from Joe Burrow. It's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, you want your quarterback to be accurate, and you want him to have great ball placement. Obviously, he's got that, especially in the short intermediate area. So Burrow is a prospect that's definitely rising up draft boards, and I think teams, forget about what us or the media thinks about him. I think teams are starting to figure it out, and they're they're buying into this first-round hype. I, I think, he, again, he's legitimately a first-round type of quarterback right now and I don't think you can argue with that 
And if he continues down this road, if he continues to play well, I mean, he's going to be taken even higher than that. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball, Ed. We, we're going to talk about, seems like every year we talk about Ohio State corners. And they've got another one this year. It's Jeffrey Akuda. Um, he's a guy that hasn't started a lot during his time for the Buckeyes. He's kind of been waiting in the wings. And uh, he's got a lot of things working for him. Obviously, he's got the size, Ed. He's got the athleticism. He's got the speed. And from a physical standpoint, I think teams are, are going to love that. Yeah, I could see, you know, he's very much like a, I thought of you when I watched the film on him, because I, I, I think you're, you're, you're the, I think you like him. I think you, I think he's definitely your type of corner. Um, Is he like Artie Burns, Ed? You know, it's, Artie Burns is too deep into his career to compare um, I, I've seen Artie Burns kind of fall apart, and so I, I, I don't, I don't think it would be. I, I think, I think you'd be underselling Akuda if you, if you said he was Artie Burns. Um, I, well, it, it, the reason why I would like him is because I would think that NFL teams would like him because he's, he's a physical specimen. He's what they look for in cornerbacks, and they feel like they can develop his game, and and that's why I'm sure there are going to be a few teams that are going to take. Yeah, they're going to take him in the first round because of his physical ability. And that's probably the reason why you think I would like him. Because I would think that NFL teams would like him based on those physical tools, right? Well, I just like, I like Okuda's film better than Artie Burns. I don't think, I don't think Artie Burns had that great a film. Okay, so what do you like about him? What are his main strengths, uh, according to you? I think he has decent coverage. Um, I think he does need to shore up the spacing a little bit, though. I think he has pretty average ball skills. I think he's persistent in coverage. Um, I think I, I think there's a couple of things he needs to work on, big areas to work on. He needs to bump better at the line of scrimmage. I, I really want to see him get more physical. I think he's capable of it. I just I want to see it more on tape. Um, and I I think he show I think he shows good effort to you know make plays and run defense. But he needs to get off blocks better. How do you compare him with those other cornerbacks that have come out from Ohio State in the last couple of years? And uh, um, what do you think he still needs to prove uh, in terms of moving forward? Well, I like I like a Denzel Ward because I like I like Denzel Ward's coverage ability better. Um, I think Akuda is more a little bit of more of a project. I mean, Akuda's you know he's a six one one ninety three guy, true junior. Um, you know this is just this is just the type of player that teams like to take a chance on. Um, you know I I I don't I don't know if I, I like him as much as other Ohio State corners that I've liked in the past. Um, I I I would actually say I would actually say Akuda is. Akuda to me feels more like a project. Like I, just if I were a GM, I think he'll go in the first round. But if I were a GM, I'd I'd kind of make him maybe like a day two target. I think that's where I. But he's gonna be. But he's gonna be like a four three cornerback. I mean, this guy's got great speed and he's got exceptional feet. Yeah, I, I guess I mean the measurables are the measurables. Um, I I I don't I don't always. Uh, 
I, I don't always pick up on tape what guys will be at the combine. I kind of like to wait and see what these guys are going to be at the combine. But I will say, I will say, and then this is a little off track, but I, I, I am promising the listeners that I, I am going to start focusing much more on the combine this year. You know, I, I, w- I was very biased towards tape last year, and I'm going to – you know, I'm I'm gonna give these guys who, you know, are workout warriors more of a shake this year. So I mean, just I just want the, the listeners to know. You gotta balance it out, Ed. Yeah. I mean, obviously the film is still gonna dictate what you think about NFL prospects, but you can't totally dismiss some of the numbers that you see during the combine. I mean, you gotta you gotta kind of balance it out a little bit. But the tape is the most important thing, Ed. The tape and the Senior Bowl and. And what you see there, I, I think the combine is still the combine. You gotta keep that in perspective. Yeah, I, I, I definitely. Well, I mean, I mean, they they all play kind of a part in it. I mean, you know, obviously a guy who you know does great at the combine has great tape. You you know, you take him early and he's a safe pick. But I mean, most guys are most guys you pick in the first round are one or the other. You know, but I just I saw a lot of a lot of these combine warriors. You know, do well. I mean. Uh, you know, the guy from Green Bay, Rashawn Gary, I didn't like his tape at all, but, you know, he's turning out to be an okay pick for them. Uh, DK Metcalf has looked good for the Seahawks. So, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't really high on either of those guys' tape, and I really wasn't high on either of those guys. But, you know, I sort of – I sort of – I sort of – I miss – I miss – I undervalued, you know, great combine numbers. Okay. All right. Makes sense. So you're going to pay more attention to that. Um, as we leave the show, Ed, any other uh, closing statements before we go? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess maybe that that's sort of one of the things I wanted to talk about was, you know, how, how, uh, you know, combine guys, you know, how guys do in the combine is, is, is more something I'm, I'm going to put importance to. Um, if I think about another thing, um, you know, I, I guess I guess I also want to say that, you know, guys like Joe Burrow, um, you know, my, my quarterback rankings have kind of changed. Uh, you know, I, I had I had sort of uh, Justin Herbert first. I, now I have kind of Tua first, Herbert second, um, and then I got Burrow third and from fourth. And then I like this Ellinger kid and. I, I, I also I really would like to I really would like to see this kid Jalen Hurts you know I, I want to break down the tape I like what I see I broke down the tape and another thing I want to sort of you know be more accepting of is the running quarterback I mean I, I I have to admit I've been biased against the running quarterback so um, I'm 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 gonna be watching for the running quarterback and I, I hope maybe next show we do Jalen Hurts. Well, I mean, how how can you be biased against the running quarterback? Has a running quarterback won a Super Bowl, Ed? Did Michael Vick win a Super Bowl? We'll see what Lamar Jackson will do, but Cam Newton went to the Super Bowl, but he lost. So, I mean, biased or not biased, pocket quarterbacks won Super Bowls. Running quarterbacks haven't won it. So maybe it's going to change in the next 10 years as we see more of these guys, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, but... It's still a big question mark, Ed. Well, I just I, I've missed on guys like Deshaun Watson. You know, I wasn't that high on him. I wasn't on the show, but I've been writing about the draft, and I wasn't that high on Deshaun Watson. And um, you know, I I, I sort of I, I I sort of I I think I missed on Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson impressed me, and 
Um, so I, I, I sort of, I mean, Michael Vick had a great career in the NFL. Um, I don't know if he ever won a Super Bowl. Did he ever win a Super Bowl? No. No, he didn't win a Super Bowl. But, but I mean, he he was an elite. I mean, there was a time where, you know, the I, I can remember Deion Sanders saying, Michael Vick's taking over the league, you know. So, um, no, I'm just going to be a little bit more partial to the running quarterback. All right, let, let's leave it at that. I mean, obviously, uh, Ed said some things, and um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good valid points out there. There's one thing I want to see, Ed. We, we mentioned Joe Burrow. I want to see him at the Senior Bowl. And to be honest with you, I want to see more top prospects at the Senior Bowl. I want to see these guys commit and, and play against the best competition in the country. And uh, it, it's not because I go to Mobile every year. It's, it, it's what it is. I want to see top seniors or those graduate juniors if you get a chance, if you're not hurt, please go there and compete. This was uh, Blitzcast number 78. I'm Alex Kavtov, uh, my co-host and partner, Ed Hunt. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Take care.